0: Five o'clock in Salford. Have no idea what time it is where you are. Welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen radio show. Twenty-nine degrees again in the northwest. We're melting, but it's good fun. I'm taking your calls from around about 5:35. So about 35 minutes, taking your calls on the usual chat thing, on the Skype thing, and on the telephone number. I'll give you those in a minute. Welcome to the program.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie
0: Allen. So in around about 35 minutes time you can reach me through Skype. The Skype name is chat with Richie, all one word chat with Richie. The telephone number inside England, Scotland, Wales or Northern Ireland is 01618182018. That's 01618182018. If you're outside the UK, it's four four. One six one eight one eight two zero one eight. All the details are on my website, RichieAllen.co.uk. If you called me last Wednesday, please don't call today. Let's make room for other people. And as usual, priority given to first time callers. We never have a problem. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I really am. Gives me a break. Gives me a break. How about we do something? How about we pretend that there's no Scamdemic and there's no COVID? How about we pretend that even before that, there were no false flag operations? That there was no Agenda 2020, Agenda 2030? Let's forget all of that. And let's go back to the old days. Let's do a proper good old phone-in. Tell me, ladies, ring up and tell me that your husband has ran off with your sister That's the sort of phone-in I want today. Tell me that the children, your neighbour's children, are incessantly kicking a football against the wall and it's driving you mad and you've fallen out with your neighbour. I want to hear your stories. I want I want to get back to some degree of normality. I just can't cope anymore. Ring me up to tell me that the refuse collectors, the bin men, didn't collect your bin this morning and there's rubbish everywhere and you want me to get on to the local authority to sort it out for you. That's the sort of phone-in I want today. Especially if your husband ran off with your sister. That's what I want to hear. Alright? Oh, I'm only joking. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. I don't mind. It's going to be COVID-related, I suppose. I, I'm, I'm easy today. I really am. It was one of those things I, I was going to put guests on today, and then I thought, nah. We've had plenty of guests lately. Plenty. Two a day, most days. I thought, I'll have a good chat with you for an hour and a half. I'll make you laugh. We'll have a few laughs, a few giggles. We'll have a bit of a crack. And then I thought, nah. <laughs> it's one of those days. It's a bit dry, in terms of the material. So I said, look, I did promise more phone-in, so there you are. It's me and you, chatting from around about 5.35. The heatwave blazes on. And in Ireland, in Ireland, in Ireland, Mickey D, Michael D Higgins, me hall, or the gnome in the park, as jean Ann calls him. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, he signed into law the legislation that basically makes the government guidelines on returning to indoor dining and drinking, it makes those guidelines now enshrined in law. So from next Monday, if you're in the greatest country, well, it used to be, to me anyway, it's not anymore. It's not. It's not. It's absolutely not. Pillow. Pillow is a better country than Ireland. Suriname is better than Ireland. Andorra is better than Ireland. Anyway, if you're in Ireland from next Monday and you fancy popping in somewhere for a bite to eat, you know, a bit of pie and mash. That's not an Irish dish now. Some crew beans, you want a few crew beans and a pint of Guinness. Before you're seated, they will ask you for your covid status. Show us your vaccine passport. It's uh it's dreadful. It's awful. I know my history. I know the history of my country. And I, I can name. I could bore you to death naming the great men and women who fought for Irish independence for centuries. What do you imagine they might be thinking if they're sitting around in heaven? I often have this fantasy is that if there is a heaven, you get to sit around if you feel like it, watching a big screen television, watching what's going on on planet Earth. What do you think they're they're thinking? Constance Markievicz. What do you think? James Connolly. What do you think? James Connolly. Of course. Jim Larkin, and before the Scottish start shouting at me, I know where James Connolly comes from. You don't have to tell me. What would they make of it, you know? I've been doing radio for years. I've met them all. Assemblymen, assemblywomen, city councillors, county councillors, mayors, mayoresses, members of parliament, traffic wardens, (laughs) government ministers. What's the common denominator? Now, not all of them, but the great majority of them I met. This is my personal opinion. It isn't a fact. It's my opinion. The great majority of them I met, and there are some exceptions, I found them to be sociopaths. Craving attention. Craving adulation. Craving fame. Craving money. Craving celebrity. And above all, power. The power to tell people what to do. Now, when it comes to the perceived bigger players, right, the secretaries of state, the prime ministers and the presidents, this is what I feel. And if you're new to this programme and you've stumbled on this programme because you cannot believe what's going on and you would never have given me a second of your time in the past, let me explain. This is what my... the, The knowledge that I have accrued, the facts that I have accrued, the knowledge I have gained over the years, this is my best guess. They identify these people at college or university or just when they entered the private sector after graduating. They're handpicked, they're groomed. I'm talking about the big players now, not every member of parliament, certainly not local mayors, county council men and women, and assembly men and women. But the so-called big players, the ones that, for most of your life, you believed were actually calling the shots. They're groomed. They're picked up. Like I said, sometimes just when they entered the private sector after graduation. Now, along the way, little bits of poison are dropped into their files here and there. You know, they might be trapped into a dodgy deal. They might be plied with drink and drugs ...and filmed while some poor unfortunate child is molested. Or worse. While they're in the room. Either conscious of what's going on... ...and participating or not. Or just being there. In a stupor. Think Jeffrey Epstein. Don't think that Jeffrey Epstein was acting on his own. This is what they do, in my opinion... They get them. They groom them. They're looking at them 10, 15, 20 years down the line. All of them at the top. Macron in France, Merkel in Germany, Johnson, Biden and the rest. Owned. By who? Well, the names are not apparent and don't easily roll off the tongue. But they are people whose names you might never know. Working around financial institutions. Controlling think tanks and NGOs. The people who basically write policies for governments. Because Johnson and his ilk, if we just take the United Kingdom as in isolation, these people don't dream up their political manifestos all by themselves. They're given to them. Not that it matters because they renege on every single promise made during the election cycle in any case, but they're given to them. Their ideas and their plans are given to them by third parties. Look at the Rockefeller Foundation. Look at the round table groups, the think tanks, who controls them, who's above them. That's where it goes. That's who these people are. On some level, Michael D. Higgins, the gnome in the park, might be appalled on some level at signing into law legislation that compels Irish people to be jabbed with a toxic tidal wave of pus and shit if they want to drink a pint of Guinness indoors again. On some level, he might be. On some level, Boris Johnson, back in October, was probably horrified that the country was locked down when the median age of Covid deaths was greater than the median age of life in general. But Johnson isn't in control. Of course he isn't. He's no power. He has the perception of power and the celebrity and the status and the fame and the money and the promise of even more money later on. But he has no real power. Owned these people. Irish people aghast today. How could Mickey D, how could him of all people, how could he let us down? He's a career politician. Groomed from day one. And along the way, little bits of poison dropped into his file. It's the Supruder film effect, if you want to give it a name. Along the way, poison here, poison there. When it comes to getting them into office, it's a case of, you'll do what you're told. That is my best guess as to how it works. That's a lifetime of experience, meeting these people and thinking about this stuff. Speaking of Prime Minister Boris Johnson, he was uh, asked to apologise today for saying what we've just been talking about, is that the people dying from Covid were essentially mostly all over 80. This was a text leaked by Dominic Cummings in an interview he gave to the BBC's Laura Koonsberg. Johnson didn't deny making those comments in October last year as he was arguing, allegedly arguing against a second lockdown. Here's the exchange between Starmer and Johnson in the Commons today. The last Prime Minister's questions before they rise for summer recess. On the 26th of May,
3: I asked the Prime Minister if he'd ever used the words COVID is only killing 80-year-olds or words to that effect. On that day, the Prime Minister pointedly didn't deny using those words. And now we have the proof that he did. We've all now seen the Prime Minister's text message I quote, the median age for COVID fatalities is 82, that is above life expectancy and we have the Prime Minister's conclusion in the same text. So get COVID and live longer. Remind the Prime Minister, over 83,000 people aged 80 or over lost their lives to this virus, everyone leaving behind a grieving family and loved ones. So will the Prime Minister now apologise for using those words?
2: Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, nothing I can say uh, from uh, this dispatch box or uh, from this virtual dispatch box, I, I should say, or uh, nothing I can do can uh, make up for the loss and the, the suffering that people have endured throughout this pandemic. And uh, there will, of course, be a public inquiry into, into what has happened. But I would just remind the right honourable gentleman, when he goes back over the, the, the decision-making processes that we had in that in those very very difficult and dark uh, times. That these are incredibly tough balancing uh, decisions that you have to take. Again, you have to balance the catastrophe of the disease against the suffering that is caused by uh, by lockdowns, the, the the impacts on mental health, the loss of life chances for young people, Mr. Speaker. And the, the, what has changed uh, since the uh, since I, 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 we were thinking in in those ways is, of course that we have rolled out uh, vaccines faster than any other country in Europe. 96%, Mr Speaker, of people over 50 now have had a vaccine. 68% of people have had two jabs, Mr Speaker. What we're trying to say to the the country today, and I think the single most important serious message is, if you uh, have not yet had your second jab, Please come along and get it. And if you're over 15 and you still haven't had uh, your second jab or over 40, please come and get it as well.
0: Mm. Now, Naga Munchetti, little imp who presents for BBC Radio 5 Live mid-morning, also does breakfast television for the BBC. Munchetti said this morning that as many as millions of people haven't yet had first jab. Who's telling the truth there? Johnson said that basically 68% of all adults have had two. So by millions, they must mean youngsters. I don't know what the truth is. Maybe you do. Maybe you'll tell me when I open the Skype in the phone later on. Well, not too later on in a few minutes as it happens. What were the odds of Johnson saying to Keir Starmer? You know, Starmer asked him about, what were you saying about over 80s? Are you going to apologise? What were the odds of Johnson saying? Let's come clean, Keir. It's a load of bollocks, old son, isn't it? Come on, pal, let's hand ourselves in. Let's do something for humanity for once. We can share a cell. Take it in turns to be the bitch. What say you, Keir? When Carrie comes over for the conjugal visits, I'll get her to drop the hand. Let's come clean and tell them that it's a scam that Bill Gates and his pals made us do it. What are the odds? (laughs) Incalculable, I would imagine. Incalculable, I would imagine. Now, a right horrible banshee called Sangam Debonair what kind of a name is that? That's worse than Tiggy leg Bork. Sangam Debonair. That's actually the name of one of these goons who sits in Parliament. I'm going to say it again because I can't believe it. Sangam Debonair. What kind of a name is that? Any ideas, Tom?
1: No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears.
0: Sangam Debonair. Well, apparently she's the shadow leader of the House or something. I don't know. She's a Labour Party politician. She's got some front bench shadow position. I haven't a clue. Anyway, she was asked, does she and her party agree with the introduction of vaccine passports? Sangam, debonair.
4: Well, I think the problem that the the Prime Minister's got at the moment is that he's set in the hospitality industry at even more chaos than before. He's added a layer of chaos onto a layer of chaos. Right. He's done a U-turn on this, and he's the one with access to the data. Now, what I can't see at the moment is how nightclubs in my patch are supposed to plan what on earth is happening over the next few weeks and I'd like to know what's different what's changed, what's different between now and then. He said something in Prime Minister's question today which he said he thought British people would understand this. I don't think they would to be honest, either it was right to open up nightclubs on Monday or it wasn't Now if he's going to change the rules in six weeks time that just simply doesn't make sense
0: I'll get a man to to respond
4: to that but what about you? I mean what's your position going to be? Will you vote against it?
0: Yeah, yeah Trying to get a straight answer, eh? It's like pulling teeth. What do you think? Do you think it's a good idea to introduce Nazi-esque vaccine passports?
4: Um, we'll see when the proposal comes. And at the moment, I don't know what that proposal is going to look like because, as usual, we don't have decent detail. Well, and well, that I, is bad well, for businesses. So I don't know what we'll be v- asked to vote for. because
0: the-, the presenter, Jo Coburn, is very weak. She needs to interject there and tell her we have plenty of details Johnson said that by the end of September every over 18 person will have had the chance to have two jabs therefore if they're not double vaccinated after that point they won't be getting into nightclubs we have plenty of details Sangam Debonair do you think it's a good thing or is it tyranny But the presenter lets her off the hook.
4: Vote for, because the government hasn't given us anything other than a headline. Right, but if the vote is straightforwardly, do you support vaccine passports? You have to be double-jabbed to get entry into nightclubs. Will it be a yes or a no from you? Well, as I said, it depends what's on that, on that motion. It won't be straightforward. It will have to include okay. things like medical exemptions. What about people who, for some reason or other, are not allowed to vaccinate? There's all sorts of things there which we'll need to see in the proposal. We haven't got that in front of us.
0: Yeah, she should stop her and say, but you personally, forget the Labour Party. Do you think it's right to deny people their human right to congregate with others and have fun? if they've not been jabbed with an experimental medicine. What about you personally? But Coburn doesn't do that.
4: See it then we'll
5: make a decision. But well, then, and it is a question of principle though, isn't it? I mean is it the right thing? This is
0: Laura The
5: Right thing or the wrong thing on a point of principle of venues to have to ask people for evidence of vaccination. Do you support the principle or not?
4: I mean it's pretty tough on to pick on just nightclubs. Why just nightclubs? Why 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 nightclubs and not cinemas? Why not
0: Oh god, she introduces the Rather than say, this is tyranny, we, we, we shouldn't vote for it. Well, why not bars and why not cinemas as well? Pubs. We've seen in the last few weeks,
4: people enjoying themselves. And I'm not knocking it, but people have been crowding into pubs before so-called Freedom Day. Where was the, where was the attention then? Oh, oh. You know, we, if we're going to encourage people to take vaccines, and we definitely must, I think actually threatening specific leisure activities and not others is not particularly helpful. And it's really going to lead to young people feeling that they're being picked on.
0: Yeah, well, why not just threaten all leisure activities is the undercurrent there. Right.
4: I mean, I just want to probe a little bit further because you've got uh, Tory rebels uh, who are lining up to vote against this uh, on the basis of civil liberties. You could inflict a defeat on the government here. In fact, they are calling uh, many of these rebels on the Labour Party to stand up uh, to this idea of a passport to gain entry to nightclubs. So is it something you'll do? I can't decide on behalf of my party. Ah, oh,
0: fuck off. Give me a break. That was Sangam Debonair there, talking bollocks. You'd love to smack him with a swordfish, wouldn't you? Or a, I don't know, a nice big mackerel across the face. That's misogyny right there. I'll be accused of misogyny now. I'm on a day to be saying that too, with uh, wolf whistling and cat calling coming under fire. We might get into that in a moment if we have time. On the very same show was the author, Timandra. Harkness to Mandra. She's not thrilled about the vaccine passports. It's not the Black Death, you know, she says.
5: But I I think this is very dangerous because if we start to say that our basic freedoms and civil liberties are tradable and contingent and, well, what does it really matter if the government makes you share your medical records in order to go to a nightclub? It's better than a lockdown then we will find ourselves at a point where we don't actually have any of these civil liberties. And we've set a precedent that the government can simply take them away for very contingent reasons. This is, you know, this is a horrible pandemic, but it's it's not the Black Death. We have to get a balance about what risks are acceptable and what liberties we value. Right. If, if we let the government say, well, look, basically the truth is we want to get young people to get vaccinated. And the young people have twigged that they're not really at risk of getting seriously ill from this. And so they haven't bothered But in order to get back to the stage where enough of us have immunity that we can get on with our lives, we need them to. So we're going to use this big stick, again, the big stick of you can't go to nightclubs unless you have your jabs. And I just don't think, yeah, the extreme example is somebody could come to me and say, will you donate one of your kidneys to save somebody else? And, you know, I might well do that as an act of altruism. But there should be no law that says I have to do it. And for that matter, there should be no law that says I can take a lot of money.
4: Although this might be, be, be about be safety people, to other people um, to and having but no, some sort of... this is what I'm
5: saying. That there's like there's an altruistic reason Yeah. we should say to young people, look, for you, the medical benefit is probably negligible, but the benefit to society as a whole and perhaps to older people and more vulnerable people that you're in contact with is that you're much less likely to pass it on to them. So for that reason... Please get vaccinated. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's oh. a medical procedure. It's, it's got to be freely consented.
0: Freely consented, yeah. She's still advocating it, though, that people take it. Now, Karen is a mother and she was on BBC Radio 5 Live with the aforementioned Naga Muncheti. Karen cannot persuade her 25-year-old uh, son, I believe, to have the jab. She can't persuade him.
6: And he balances putting something into his body which there are no long-term effects known from. Imbalances according to the small risk of himself um, of having fairly mild symptoms, of which he did because he had it a couple of weeks ago.
7: And um, he was fine, was he?
6: And he was fine, 24 hours feeling not great. And then tickety-boo.
5: What do you um, say to him?
6: I'm talking about the collective and about the fact that the vaccine is not 100% effective for those in terms of that could get seriously ill from it, Um, and also at the moment in terms...
0: His mother is telling him, the 25-year-old, that he should have it because it isn't that effective in stopping people getting COVID. So there are idiots, older people presumably, taking this vaccine themselves, but it doesn't give them enough protection. So why don't you take it, son, to boost their protection? This is madness. It's tantamount to insanity. But that's what she's telling her son. It's not that effective. So you have to have it. Because, well, granddad had it. And by all accounts, it won't stop him getting ill. <laughs> so why don't you have it, son? In
6: terms of this, is anything that we can do in order to affect the capacity of the NHS to do its
0: day job, My God, she's even telling the son, if there's anything we can do to save the NHS, let's do it. And I told you, didn't I? Months and months and months ago. This is where it's leading. They're turning healthcare on its head. That's the plan. No treatment. The NHS will completely transform. You won't get treatment for being unwell. They'll be forcing vaccines on you. And preventative medicines. To save the NHS. This is how it's going to be. This is vaudevillian. This is how it's going to be going forward. We've got a series of vaccines here. It'll stop you getting diabetes. It'll stop you becoming obese. It'll stop you getting dementia. Bullshit, but they'll say that. Uh, So we, we recommend you take them. Why? I'm fine. So that you'll be less of a burden on the NHS. Our resources are finite. So if everybody takes the jabs, only some people will get diabetes, only some people will get dementia, and we'll be able to deal with that. That's how it's going to be. I've been talking about this for a long time.
6: Without having the extras from COVID, although they're much smaller numbers than the first or second wave. Um, And at the time when I was talking about the collective, he was of a mindset, I've put my life on hold for the past 18 months. I followed every rule. I've had it.
0: (laughs) Good lad. I've put my life on hold. I've ruined, I've partly ruined my future. Well, you have, by locking us down, by screwing up my education, by screwing up my employment. Any chance I might have to buy a house, that's been just screwed right up. So I've had it up to my tits now, says the 25-year-old son. It's it's the
6: validity of some of his arguments. And then at the moment, you would very much hoping that it would be the carrot in terms of persuading him and doing that, what, what I believe is to be, you know, do it for the collective good. Um, and now, with a stick approach, he's he's livid because he feels as though he's been manipulated and it's um, mandatory vaccination via the back door because the one thing that he now wants to go and do, he will only able to go and do if he then goes and gets a double vaccination.
0: Mandatory vaccination by the back door. That's what the 25-year-old thinks.
6: And fair play to him. He has actually followed most of the guidelines and the rules all the way through this. He's not being reckless. But he says to me, I'm not an idiot.
0: He's not an idiot. I wonder how many more like him, or how many more are there like him? 25-year-olds who've just said, no, I'm not having it, you know. She might take away his PlayStation 4. He might have it then, maybe. I don't know. She might hide his fleshlight. I don't know. Lots of options there, Karen. Things you can do for your son, Wolf whistling and cat calling could be made criminal to crack down on street harassment apparently and to protect women this is coming from Priti patel the home secretary she said the government would take action on a range of safety concerns with new proposals unveiled today right so cat calling and and wolf whistling and street harassment is going to be taken on. they're also going to commission a twenty four seven rape and sexual assault helpline. That's a good thing while the Department for Education will work with the Office for students to tackle sexual harass- harassment even and abuse in higher education now to speak about this to speak about this, the media today collectively got Victoria atkins on she's uh well she's a minister at the Home Office. Here she is with Nick Ferrari, who can't seem to tie her down on whether wolf whistling and catcalling will be criminalised.
2: You won't be surprised that for some newspapers, the headline is whether wolf whistling or catcalling is to be made a crime. What is the truth in that, Minister?
1: Uh, we are very, we're listening very closely to uh, views on street harassment. We know from the public survey that we ran this year, we, we ran the first ever public survey on uh, violence in, against women and girls in, in order to shape our government strategy. And street harassment was a very, very common theme.
2: Yes, my question was, will catcalling and wolf whistling be made a crime?
1: This It's a really, really complicated uh, policy area. We know that there are some behaviours that are already uh, criminal offences and people don't know about it. That's why we're running the comms campaign. But in terms of the range of behaviours that can be covered by that term, we do have to have a debate about where we think the line should be drawn in terms of criminalisation. So that's why we're not rushing into uh, legislating. We are very much looking at what we can do to better empower women and girls to report existing offences improve
2: so, police response. Right. So so I you the answer is you don't know yet as regards um, wolf whistling and cat calling.
1: In <laughs> fairness, to, you know, this I see this as very much the beginning of the this next decade's work on tackling these crimes. Uh, let me give you a little example. Um
0: is wolf whistling and cat calling a crime really? Forget about whether it's on the statute books or not. But should it be a crime? I mean listen, I've I've I have i have i have confessed to doing a lot on this program but i've never whistled at a woman on the street certainly never catcalled whatever that is should it be criminal
1: um during the survey I remember the public uh, emailed me saying well, look could we have a map where you just drop a pin and say look this is where i feel unsafe uh, and give me the reasons why um, so we are doing exactly that next what
0: what you're going to you're going to put a map online where where people can use a i don't know a cyber pin to pinpoint on the digital map where they don't feel safe. Uh,
1: emailed me saying, well, look, we have a map where you just drop a pin and say, look, this is where I feel unsafe uh, and give me the reasons why. <laughs> um, so we are doing exactly that. Next month, we'll be launching uh, an online map to help people just drop a pin so they can tell us whether they feel unsafe perhaps because the lighting's not great or because of others. We want to gather this information, do it in a really methodical way, so that when we are um, considering options such as legislation, we're doing it in the most effective way possible.
0: They're coming for men. Emasculation. I don't know about that. I don't know how I feel about that, really. It's not going to affect me. But that doesn't mean I don't care about it just because I'm all right, Jack. It won't affect me because I generally tend to mind my own business when I'm out on the street. And I keep my eyes and my mouth to myself. Yeah, I don't know. BBG, Richie, if you'd like to send me a tweet, I'd like to hear from you. RichieAllen.co.uk You can send a message to me through my website. Let me give you the contact details for the programme because in five minutes' time, I'm going to open the Skype. I'm going to open the phone. Now, please listen to me. Please. If you called me last time, don't call me today. One of the great things about our phone-ins is they're never repetitive. We don't have the same people over and over again. That's because we have an enormous listenership. So it's a good thing. So, so don't try and hijack the thing. If you've never called me before, do. I'm nice. I will listen to you. We'll have a little bit of a chat. And the third thing I want to say is, and please keep this in mind, be as quick as you can without rushing. I don't want to rush you, but be as quick as you can to make your point. We'll have a bit of back and forth, and then we'll get another caller on, because I'm expecting it, as usual, to be a bit mental. Uh, it's chat with Richie, all one word. That's the Skype thing, so it won't cost you anything. Chat with Richie, and Richie is spelled without a T, R-I-C-H-I-E. If you need to phone me, inside the UK, it's 0161 818 2018. 0161 818 2018. Outside the UK, plus four four. One six one eight one eight two zero one eight. I could have had a jingle made I'm just a lazy arse I will do that before the next one will have a jingle so I can save my blooming voice and don't have to keep repeating the numbers if you didn't get any of that go to richieallen.co.uk at the top of the page I did po- post about the phone in and there is a meme with all the details on there how about that okay couple of tweets before I move on before I take a tune, before I open the phones, let's have a look at some of those. A number of you very interested in developments in Ireland and the signing into law of the vaccine passport requirement for indoor dining and drinking in Ireland. What happened to my fighting Irish, asks Kelly O'Neill on Twitter. Kelly, I haven't a clue. I've not set foot in the country since since late 2003. I've not set foot in the place So I don't know. I have no idea. Richard says it's so frustrating how these politicians can never give a straight answer. Yes or no, says Richard. That's right, but the journalists could do a lot better if they want, you know. If they felt like it, you know. A lot of you using the word treason to describe Michael D. Higgins and Boris Johnson and others. Emma tweets the destruction of men in response to allegations that catcalling and wolf whistling will indeed be criminalised they can't do that can they don't worry I'm not naive of course they bloody well can so it's chat with Richie on Skype and it's 0161 818 2018 that is the phone number it's now 26 and a half minutes to the top of the air I'll be taking your calls in about three minutes time alright <laughs> So I trust you, you're taking over. You're going to have your say. In the meantime, this is Moz, anti-lockdown Moz, by the way. And this is Alma Matters on Richie Allen's radio show in Salford. Uh, Alma Matters from Morrissey on the Richie Allen radio show, 24 minutes to the top of the hour. Let me give you those details again. It's chat with Richie on Skype, all one word, if you want to Skype me. If you're in the UK, 01618182018, outside, plus 441618182018, my God, I nearly screwed that up. Zero one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. God, good to be with you. First up is Sarah. How you doing, Sarah?
6: Hi, Rachel. I'm fine, thank you. How are you
0: doing? I'm really well. And you sent me a message there. I think you said it's your birthday today.
6: It's tomorrow. Oh, is it tomorrow? Yes, is it? Yeah. Well,
0: well, advanced happy birthday uh, to you. Welcome thank to you. the program. You're first up. So I suppose you set the agenda. What would you like to talk about?
6: Well, I often uh, hear you
8: talking about people. Uh, we want more people to come on who talk about uh, sort of a religious side of it. And I wasn't brought up in orchestrated religion, but I've done my own sort of seeking for truth. And uh, the things that I sort of wanted to talk about were the things that were going to be full of earth, um, that were prophesied in the Bible, and the thing and how they're related to today's events and how they sort of tie in together.
0: Really, really interesting stuff, this. I love this. So give us an example. A friend of mine listening to this tonight is big into this in, in a big way. Give us an example then of something that might have been encoded in the Bible, Sarah, that gives us us a clue as to what's going on now.
8: Well, it gives warnings because the Lord sort of prepares you. He's like a good father. And so he sort of gives warnings to to his children. So you have to sort of seek out and things that are to come. And one of the things that he talks about is that there's a great, a great deception that befalls the whole earth. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing today or what we've seen in the last. Because we were kind of preparing ourselves for this great deception we weren't sure what it was going to be we were kind of like because he doesn't kind of explain what it was going to be but he does explain you know he gives you a warning so you've got to keep your eyes open you've got to keep looking out for things um and so there's the great deception and then after the great deception comes the great falling away and so I'm not sure exactly what that could be obviously at the moment we've got a great divide haven't we because you've got people who are taking the job and who aren't
0: Massive. And look, we've had some whoppers over the years, haven't we? Weapons of mass destruction, Saddam Hussein. Um, you know, we, we were told that uh, Iraq had something to do with September the yeah. 11th. We know that these were big false flag events. Well, at least I believe that. I shouldn't put words in your mouth. So these, were no, big, I agree. Yeah. so these were big deceptions, but nothing on this scale. Nothing on this scale.
8: No, no. And it also it does warn us in the end of days there'll be wars and rumours of wars. Um, earthquakes in diverse places and when we're talking about wars rumors of wars it also goes on to say it'll be nation against nation and then it'll be uh, I don't know his exact words because I can't bring it off the top of my head so I don't really want to say exactly but it's something like you know brother against sister and um, you know it gets to the very core of the family and right now that's what we're seeing we're seeing you know families divided pitted against each other over this um, unfortunately you're right a big whopper um, of a deception.
0: Massive whopper.
8: And he does, you know, the thing that starts it off is the great deception, which is, you know, it's just ironic, but if you put them all together and you kind of follow the the breadcrumbs, you can you can see the pattern, how it all slots together. And, you know, a good father does give us a, sort of a little bit of a heads up.
0: And you know what? You mentioned there something very interesting. You mentioned about war. Isn't it funny? The language used by governments around the world when speaking about COVID, it's war-like language, isn't it? They they use terms like the front line, you know, and the war on COVID. Yeah. All this stuff that's, that's very interesting. And while this is going on, the United States have, have allegedly pulled back in Afghanistan and now China are allegedly moving in. You've got problems, constantly problems in the Middle East as well. And if there was to be food shortages mm-hmm. because of this Scam because it is a scam. If that was to lead to food shortages, yeah. well, who who's to say that wouldn't lead to an escalation in conflict? And I, I, you know, I think there's something in what you're saying. I really do. You you're, you're saying that in the, the Bible is coded that if you look, if you read it and yeah. you, and you open your mind to it, it's basically describing what we're in the middle of now. And tell me, what about those who say Sarah about the the jab itself being the mark of the beast?
8: Well, this is it. We can't, at the minute, we can't define what the mark of the beast is. So we can't say for certain that it is the jab. But what what I would say is, you're seeing, you like, you are seeing a great falling away because, in a sense, it's like, well, these people who are accepting the jab are will conform to the mark of the beast because, you know, if they're willing to uh, sacrifice their sovereignty now. You know, not fight for their freedoms now. Then when when will they fight for their freedoms? You know, because we all need, you know, each other to sort of stand up for themselves yeah. and stop allowing the government to, you know, uh, take control. And you know, but he also does mention that about famine and stuff like that. He also says that there'll there'll come a famine
0: and, uh, after the war like that. That's right, and pestilence. Yeah. That's right. So you could you, you could yeah, ma- yeah. you could make an argument that. The mark of the beast might be a metaphor, maybe not necessarily just for the jab, but for things to come because they've already developed nanobot technology that they plan to inject in people to help them with them um, with diagnosing them and delivering medication to them. Yeah. So all these things are already there, and I wonder—is yeah, well, yeah, it could be, it could be the mark of the beast.
8: And I don't know because you've got your uh, guest friend on who I listen to, and he's the uh, healer, isn't he? And he said that. When he tries to heal people now spiritually he's not getting anything from them yeah. and and that's what it means is when you're talking about the mark of the beast well the mark if you look into the to the words so we're, it's all about language and symbolism and that they speak in language they speak in the language of symbols and you see yeah. and so you have to understand the language of symbols and when you talk about a mark i think that can be you know uh i, I don't can't remember off the top of my head, but like any kind of point of entry sort of thing so you know, it, it could very well be, but I, I couldn't say for certain. I certainly wouldn't take it myself, and I've recommended everyone not to take it, because at the end of the day, the Lord does say, if you take the mark of the beast, um, that you basically forfeit your right into heaven, and if it is a DNA changing um, gene or something, if, if the protein goes into your body and, and hijacks your body and and, and changes your DNA, then you're not going to enter into heaven because you yourself have, have been corrupted. And that's what Satan does from the very beginning. He's been trying to corrupt God's creation. And that's what the government does. You know, they take anything good and they corrupt it.
0: And destroy it. Yeah. They take the, Yeah. Can I ask you, is, um, Sadly. <laughs> ha, ha, have you, have you always been, I don't want to use the term, well, maybe I should. Have you always been religious? Have you always been interested in your religion, in your faith? Or is it a new thing for you, Sarah, or relatively new?
8: Uh, I, you know, I started seeking truth about 12 years ago. I had a lot of time on my hands and I honestly put God to one to one side because I'd, I'd been brought up around Christianity things and I thought, I don't think that that was the answer. So I just seek truth. And as I got further and further down and asked more questions, and more questions, less to more questions, and you eventually do build a picture up. But I couldn't deny God at the end of it. All, all roads led to God. In a in a, in a in a strange sense, it was under, At some point, I had to pull it back off the shelf and right. and say, "All right, this is undeniable. I'm going to have to bring it in, and, and I can't deny it now." You know, I'd, I'd say, a hand on heart," that,
0: you know. Well, look, it it sounds like you're in a, an absolutely great place. That's not me condescending to you. It isn't. It sounds like you're in a great place oh, that that, you. that you're happy with. You know where you are. When you you say to people to think about not having it, do you? Mention what you mentioned to me. Do you say to them, "Look, there is a good against evil battle here. Um, it is Satan against you know God's creation." Do you say that? And if you do, what sort of reaction do you get?
8: It's difficult because we're all on a journey. We're all, we're all on a path, aren't we? And we're all at different points on that path. So you have to be respectful to where they are on that path. And so first, it's about gauging them and finding out where they are and what they, you know, you you can't show people what they don't want to see and it's easier to show someone who's curious than it is to show someone who's you know purposely sticking their head in the sand or you know thinks that they have you know they've got a big ego and they think they know it all and it's difficult to get through to those kind of people people need to let go of their egos before they can really discover the truth and it is a journey and we are all you know at different points along that way yeah i think it's hard and yeah you do try your best but you, you can't like in all your subjects that you have people t- talking about when they come on it's difficult you know we're all coming at it from different angles but we're all trying to trying to help each other.
0: Absolutely. I and I the, the ego thing that you mentioned you know it took me long enough now to to, to drop the oh. the that that's not to say that I don't have an ego. I obviously have if you're going to be doing live radio. Most days of the week, you you tend to have some sort of an ego or some sort of an opinion about yourself. But in terms of knowing stuff, I left that behind a long time ago. I dropped it because the older I got, the 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 more I realised just how little I I did know. And uh, yeah, we all
8: we all do that, Rich. We all have to go through. Don't that. you? Yeah, at some step. stage. Yeah,
0: it's it, it's 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 a humiliating, not humiliating. It's a humbling thing to realise that many most of the things you held to be absolutely true are not. And you think back of all the times you argued with people and you shouted at people and you domineered them because you knew everything. And then you yeah. realise that you know nothing or next to nothing. And I know nothing. That's all I do know, is that I don't know very much. Sarah, before I move on, um, mm-hmm. if there's anything else you want to say, I just want to say um, again before I forget, happy birthday uh, tomorrow. And okay. uh, you've got a youngster too, so how if you want to just t- t- kind of briefly chat about that, how I suppose significant is that now in how you think about what's going to happen and what you're going to do about what's going to happen, you having a, a young child.
8: Well, we, we brought her out of school. Well, I, I, me, when I say we, me and her discussed it, and uh, we came, she came out of school when we saw what was going on because we kind of talked about a few years ago um, prior that something might happen. Um, and uh, I didn't want her in that, in that environment because at the minute I don't. they can do anything. As far as I'm aware, they can keep her from me, they could jab her. You know, I've seen what they've been doing to other people, to, especially even to the elderly. And, uh, you know, the government thinks that they're, they are responsible for you and your child, and uh, they can do what they want. And it's a very scary situation for a parent. It really, really is. And all I can do is we can just divide ourselves. That's all any of us can do yeah. for, for now and find people, like minded people. You know to to share it's it's hard obviously because a lot of think a lot of people are living in isolation, but I mean there's you who connects us and we get to listen to you and your guests and that inspires us and lifts our spirits, which is really really helpful. But I do appreciate that and I thank you for asking about sora as well because she's she's a good kid and she does understand you know the, the thing is I think a lot of kids if you talk to them and you explain to them um uh, you know, and and if they ask a question, you know, don't don't hide things from them. I think one of you guests said that the other day. Yeah. You know about their kids.
0: And you've done the same. It's best to be honest, but I suppose there's there's honest, and then there's you know honest. I suppose isn't there? There's, there's, <laughs> there, there are certain things that yeah. you know certain children of a certain age are probably not ready to to contemplate. But I suppose. Yeah, does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
8: Has to be, yeah. Has to be age, yeah, age appropriate. appropriate, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was,
0: yeah, we we were listening to uh, Niall McAvoy the other night, and Niall was the, the the ice hockey player, and he was saying exactly what you said. That he tells the children, "Look, um, this is kind of being exaggerated. Don't worry about it. These people are taking this yeah. far more seriously, and that makes some sense." I tell you what, Sarah, I think we might talk again in the future. Fascinating. I I just don't meet enough people who are into, uh, you know, the the the. I don't want to say the religious side of it, but the more spiritual, um, the faith, I suppose, the faith aspect of it and the Bible coding. I'm hugely interested yeah. in that. And if you know anybody, I mean, you're happy, you're welcome to come back on again on the regular show and talk about it if you like. But if there's somebody that you're reading that you think um might be, uh you know, worth uh, getting in touch with, I'd love to, to get into that more on the programme. Oh
8: yeah, I will. I'll send you a message. There is someone I think is really fluent and very eloquently spoken on the subject and and it's really easy to listen to as well so i, I will i'll say
0: that sounds it sounds like i'm you. it sounds like i've said that you're not fluent enough to talk but i'm not saying that at all <laughs> but, uh, No, but no, I'm, no, sure. I'm,
8: I'm not well as not i'm not as well versed you're a if student if you want yeah. people to understand yeah exactly if you want people to understand it fully and comprehend it then you need to have somebody who fully understands it and
7: absolutely
0: you know yeah, oh, lovely you, to meet to you, Sarah. It. By the way, and, <laughs> thank you uh, very much. I won't say a You taught me a wulcher. Happy birthday! To me. I hope you get spoiled tomorrow. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. That was uh, Sarah. How lovely. Um, uh, I didn't ask Sarah where she where, where she was calling from. Uh, I think Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire, maybe somewhere down the country, maybe. I could be wrong. It's oh one six one eight one eight two thousand and eighteen. If you're calling from inside. The UK, but your best to Skype me if you can. It's chat with Richie now. Let me just let you know. Uh, I believe that Dean Smith, who's a pal of mine, is trying to get through to the program. Dean, hold your horses. I'll get you on a little bit later on. Dean has run a care home. His family has been in the care business for some time. He's in Sheffield, and he'll have interesting things to say about the, you know, the mandating of jabs for care home workers. And other things. We'll we'll get Dean on for a few minutes because I want everybody to, you know, be as succinct as you possibly can. I'm going to the phone line now. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi Richie, it's John. How are you doing, John? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Bolton, just up the road. Legend, you're just up the road from Salford. How are you keeping, mate? Are you well? You're good? All right, yeah. Hanging in (laughs) there. (laughs) Really, um,
9: we spoke, we must be getting on for two years ago now where we were talking about things like vaccines in schools and wow. the sort of creeping malevolence. So I was sort of ringing in to sort of almost say, I, I told you so. You told me so.
0: <laughs> I remember anyway. the call. Now I'm not lying, by the way. I do remember the call, now that you say it. That's right, so here we are. So you're not surprised then. Like when they announced, if you want to go to a nightclub after September, you've got to have two jabs, that, that didn't come as a shock to you, John?
9: Not as such, no. I I think a lot of this has been creeping in, especially with the children for, well, especially teenagers, secondary school. I think it's been a long time coming, to be honest, and I mean, it was probably when they were going back to school last September, and we got an email from my son's school, which... Listed all the restrictions that they were bringing in and, and uh, mask wearing in corridors, and they had to wear masks on the bus. And, and and if they didn't follow the rules, there'd be extreme consequences, and all this, it was all in an email. And uh, so I responded and, and said, Can you tell us what the consequences will be? Can you send us risk assessments in relation to mask wearing? And, and can you give us a written assurance that if Miss son suffers any mental or physical detriment as a result of the measures you're bringing in, that you'll take full responsibility for it. And what happened was I had the head teacher on the phone within 24 hours, who kind of just blamed everything on the local authority, or that this has nothing to do with us. Um, We we're only kind of following what the local authority is saying because they'll close us if we don't. But in reality, it'll be nothing like that. Yeah. And I said, so what you're basically doing in your email is that you're terrifying people into compliance. And she kind of kind of admitted it, but then she said, but, I, you know, I must remind you that your son could well be sitting next to somebody in class who could have some very seriously ill parents and could be passing it on to them That's ridiculous. Uh, when they go home. And I said, well, hasn't that always been the case? He may well have been sort of... Carrying all manner of flus and Lord alone knows what, in years gone by, and yet we weren't bothered then, but we're bothered now. So what gives? You know, but they were very, they were very kind of, oh, this is this is. Would you, would, we're only wording this so that um, um, the local authority aren't on our case, and, and then when this closed the schools again, and, and reopened, what was it? Was it in March? Uh, this year, we got, again, a similar email this time, which talked about testing twice a week and wearing masks in classrooms. And I, and I just thought, well, I'm just not having any of that. So I, I, I replied and said, look, my son won't be doing any testing and he won't be wearing any masks. And the reply I got just said, oh, that's absolutely fine, no problem. And I thought, What well, if everybody responded like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. But yet they don't. Is that what you think it is, John? So, so you said to them, and you sound great. You sounded great when we first spoke. So, so you sound like a nice bloke. So you said, "Look, no thanks, <laughs> not from not not from my son." And they said, "Okay." Do you think yeah. that there's some that there's still some kind of misapprehension amongst people that these people have all the power and that you better do what they tell you? That they don't understand that they just need to do what you did. Would you say yeah, no? I think,
9: but I think there's there's also and it's. How can you put it without sounding like you're, you're insulting people? It, it's it, it's almost, I think, a form of, with many people, it's it's a form of cowardice, I think, because you do get a lot of people that I speak to anyway that will quite happily say, yeah, yeah, I think it's a whole lot of bollocks. and they, But yet they'll still go ahead and test their children, even though you try and explain to them as gently as you can. Luke, you do know that by testing the kids, you, you're keeping this narrative going. Yeah. And they'll kind of admit that they are, but I, I think that, for a lot of people, the alternative's probably worse. I think that they might well think, "Yeah, but if if I kind of freely come out and and believe that it's all bollocks, am I then duty bound to sort of do something about it or speak out about it?" Can I be the devil's am advocate I then here, John? labelled as, as an anti-vaxer or a conspiracy theorist, no. and I think that that fear kind of holds pretty strong
0: with a lot of people. I think you're right. I think that is certainly true for. For, for people, I can't say for how many people but let me put an argument to you could it be argued that some of these people are they're just people who would just go they would go a mile to avoid confrontation so what, what I mean is it's not cowardice I've had friends back home honestly, men and women and they would never stand up to the system or the establishment in any way, they would take whatever came their way but if anything ever got really 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 serious um, they were ferocious yeah, and and I could never understand the contradiction. I think for a lot of people, it's just anything for an easy life.
9: I think I think you could, yeah. I, 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 I think you're right up, as well. I, now, I actually wrote an, an article for the Light newspaper about this a few months ago, and and I, and I wrote in there that I think there are some people out there where if if a school or a government said now, uh, in order to, uh, to, to 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 keep the numbers down and in order to save lives, you know, you must. Amputate the little toe of your firstborn yeah. before you're uh, <laughs> before you're allowed into school. I, I think some people would probably think about that.
0: You know? They might think about
9: it. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, but the situation since in in in, in schools, I mean, it's 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 kind of entered almost comedy realms because once you start getting towards school holidays, a lot of parents stop testing their children because they don't want to run the risk of them being right. stuck in. All over half term, or the summer holidays, and, and things like that. And I was asking my son, are, are some of the kids messing about with the tests? And he said, Oh yeah, you know. He, he said they'll they'll try them in in any fruit juice. They'll they'll try it. He said some will dip them in ketchup, and he said some of them have, have well claimed to have had some success. By swabbing, I think, the bottom of the trainers and the bottom of the shoes. And, and by success,
0: like that. by success, you mean that they get a positive test, so they get they off school? They get a school. positive test, and then they
9: get <laughs> sent home for two weeks. And then in a lot of cases, oh. it's like, so I can't join the, the Zoom lesson because the Wi Fi's gone down. Crazy. <laughs> Man, <that's laughs> and they get a couple of weeks on, on the old Xbox instead. How's your and lad the, doing the,
0: now, John? How's he doing now?
9: Well, he's funnily enough, he's he finished, went isn't? back this week after his latest. Uh, period of being sent home again because someone in one of his classes supposedly tested positive so we had to have 10 days at home even though there's absolutely nothing wrong with him he's he's perfectly fine and the girl in his class that tested positive he was doing zoom lessons with wow (laughs) (laughs) So you've got vast swathes of kids being sent home and they're absolutely tip top
0: it's ridiculous John, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna get Amy in Dublin on. It was uh, lovely to hear from you again. Very important.
9: Right wise, and cheers for all you do as well, mate. It's a cracking show, and it, uh, it brightens my day.
0: Thanks very much, John. It's lovely of you to say that, mate. Thanks. That was John and Bolton. Lovely to have John on the programme. Amy's gotten in touch. Amy's in Dublin and I do believe that Amy is in her 20s. I've thrown the gauntlet down I think in the past. I've I've wondered aloud as to whether people in their 20s or maybe even in their 30s, are they resistant to this? Are they, you know, standing up to this? How are they feeling about it? We we, we did hear today on BBC Radio 5 Live the, say it for me, um, mid-morning programme with Naga Munchetti. Uh, We heard, didn't we, that um, millions of people, apparently, millions of people, have yet to have the first jab. So what does that mean? Does that mean in the UK that, you know, a large proportion of of 20-somethings have said no? I don't know. I really don't know. Amy's in Dublin. Amy, lovely to speak to you. How are you keeping? Hey, Richie.
10: Sorry I couldn't answer the phones. First time using Skype.
0: Not at all. No, Thanks for, 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 for getting in touch and saying that you'd come on. I, I really appreciate it. So, you're in Dublin and you've I threw the gauntlet down, didn't I? About 20-somethings and how things are going for them um, and what you think about all of this. The floor is yours, Amy. What would you like to say?
10: Well, I just think that 20-something-year-olds are going to be very easily uh, led with things like nightclubs and stuff like that and they really know how to play the twenty-something-year-olds, and the whole Facebook and social media kind of realm they're in. Like they want to be killed in front of their friends, and I don't know. That's what I think it is. It's all superficial stuff, from you're, what I can see.
0: You're. Um, um,
10: I've got. Sorry, sorry, go ahead.
0: Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're. You're doing. You're flying there. Go ahead.
10: Yeah. not I have a few friends now that don't really care so much about things like that, and they seem to be the ones asking questions. Like, they're not so much into the social media and not too much out about... They don't really care if they don't go to a pub or nightclub again. Is that right? Uh, So, yeah, so they seem to be the ones asking questions in my experience in any way. And same with my sister and my family as well. Do
0: you know what, Amy? It's great. I suppose it's good that you might be... You know, inclined to say, "Well, I don't care. I can live without nightclubs. That's brilliant," but it's it's rotten, isn't it? Because, yeah, fair enough. You're you're mature enough to say, "Look, I I won't have the jab to go to a nightclub. I can live without it." But it's tyrannical that that it even oh, comes to unreal. that. You know? Yeah.
10: No, it, re- it really is, and I haven't lost too many friends, thankfully. The I lost a couple, but they were kind of like fairway friends, if you get me.
7: Yeah.
10: Uh, But like that, they're right in it. They're posting conspiracy theory, memes or whatever you call them, slagging people and all that. And I'm all for whatever people want to do. But when you cross the line to insult people, that's, uh, no, there's no... Coming back from that with me, any way.
0: you lose the argument, Amy, don't you? You lose the argument. We in 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 uh, over the years, when 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 you interview people, th- they call this playing the man and not playing the ball. So you'll be on Facebook or Twitter, and you've gotten some in- interesting information. You might have watched a television program, you might have heard a guest on on a program who talks about the the tests being dodgy, and you'll put that information out there. But rather than engage you or your friends on the point that you made, they'll just insult you. I mean that's just rubbish, isn't it?
10: And that's both sides. That's both. Is sides, it both which sides? I'm getting yeah. very. I'm getting. I'm, I. just. I can't deal with the sheep and then uh, the Tim hat words and it. it we're get going nowhere. Calling people sheep at mm-hmm. all. It, we're losing them uh, as soon as we mention that word. Same when someone says says, "Aim your Tim file hat." They lose me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
10: Like we need to do step by step tiny bit at a time. Don't go ramming in all the way. But at this stage now what uh that fella in the park or what what's your friend call him? The
0: ben Gilroy, was it that was th- on with me the other day? Was it Ben you're thinking of?
10: No, Michael D. Higgins. The oh oh the, 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 um, the, yeah, the the gnome,
0: the gnome in the park, yeah. The gnome in the park,
10: yeah. Yeah, no, with him. Sign on. I, I just give up now at this stage. I'm after trying everything. Like I haven't worn the mask. I've gone into college without the mask and all. That's a hard thing to do as it is. And
0: um, what's the attitude and- of the college, Amy?
10: Oh no, they were fine. Uh, thankfully, now they were fine. It's Dublin bus. That that's that's been the public transport. That's been the hard part for me. I think.
0: So 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 tell us more about that. How how is it regarding exemptions in Ireland? I I would have thought that you could tell a driver, I, look, I'm exempt, thanks, and just tap your ticket or or pay your money.
10: Oh, uh, not a chance. No, no. I I've got I had two letters. I don't usually use the bus now or any sort of transport, um, but th- that didn't matter. But I told them I have the two letters here. No, it, they're not worth it. It's I don't know why there's exemptions in it because nobody was listening or anything like that. Like, uh, yeah, no, it's just arguments or
7: nasty
0: so conflict, conflict all the time. People. Conflict wherever, wherever yeah. you look. It's funny that because I was up in the lakes back in April and I was astonished, Amy, to see that some of the shops in the Lake District, some of them, particularly in Windermere, they actually had signs boldly boldly declaring that there was absolutely no exceptions. Now, this was against the law. This is totally against the law to say that there would be no exceptions because the government itself made it clear that if people had a condition that um, meant they couldn't wear a mask, they should be left alone. But these shops were just ignoring it and putting signs up saying absolutely no entry without a mask. And you're saying it's pretty much been the same in Dublin, on the buses anyway.
10: Yeah, and interestingly enough, uh, my friends in the UK, well, she obviously comes back to her mum and stuff like that. And she said that it's completely different in Ireland. She said it's 10 times worse than it is where she is. She's in Plymouth. And she said, um, yeah, that it, Ireland's a different category.
0: I hear that she all said. the time. She was shocked. Yeah, I hear it all the time from people who travel as much as they can, who travel between the UK and Ireland, they say that, because we think we have it bad here, but they say it's it's absolutely dreadful in Ireland, and now you have this new um, vaccine passports thing. Do you know what upset me today, Amy, was I, I did listen to Morning Ireland and I did listen to a bit of RTE news at lunchtime, and oh, the, love I know, I know it was dreadful, yeah. The Vintners, association or federation, it's the Vintners Federation, now you'll know this, but some of our listeners won't know, that's basically a body that represents publicans in Ireland. They're all for this. They're all yeah, for oh,
10: it. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I heard them saying that when it was first proposed. I heard them come out and say that and I was thinking, God almighty, we haven't got a hope. Like Because this could have all been ended with the private sector. They could have ended it from the mask, like at that stage, because yeah. we all knew this was a precursor to the vaccine. But, like everybody knew we're brain and anyway.
0: Do you think there's any chance? Or do you think not for Ireland? No,
10: I'm holding up all my hope in the UK, to be perfectly honest. And once the UK gets somewhere, Ireland will follow.
0: Do you think so? But, I, I was going to ask you is there any chance that from next Monday, that that people will stay away or that enough people will stay away from the pubs and the restaurants to send a message? Will enough people do that? Because that might send a message to the private sector, to the owners of these businesses. What do you think?
10: I don't know. It's hard to George I, I don't have any faith. Um, I, I've given up on Ireland completely, to be honest. Like, I've never been so ashamed of Ireland at all. Today was just heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, it's dreadful. Um, you and me both.
10: Yeah, me mum and all we're all just devastated. We can't believe what's after we're coming.
0: And your mum you has an idea that something is not right, does she? She's she's kind of clued in.
10: Oh, uh, we got it from her.
0: Is that right? Your mum? Fantastic.
10: Yeah, she's the female Irish David Icke, I
0: think. Is she? Your mum? Brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So she's, she knew this was coming, and at the very beginning then, she Probably called it out, did she, back in March last year?
10: Well, do you know, funny enough, her grandmother back in the seventies, like I, I wish I met the woman, but she used to be talking about AI taking over and stuff like that as fair back as then.
0: Did she know? So and she, she knew.
10: Yeah, she would be reading Dave Icke's books in the nineties and stuff like that. And she she was a very smart woman from what I've heard about her, and anyway. So I don't think he, I think my mum's shocked that people let it happen, but she's not shocked it happened, if that makes any sense. Yeah.
0: What about yourself? I mean, but obviously you have your mum and your family. You said you hope there's something happens here, that there might be resistance here. Given the chance, would you jump across the sea and, 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 and come and live and work here? Or do you, know, do you need to be near your mum and your family?
10: Yeah, I've, I've thought about doing that, especially this year. But I don't think I'd be able to leave them uh, to deal with it themselves because there's so few of us as it is. And like, I think like, I do feel sorry for people with families who are being separated. Mine aren't, fortunately. But um, no, I don't think I could leave them. I'd be too worried about them. I'd too say. worried about how
0: they're getting on. Yeah. And um, Before I take yeah. another call, um, I'm so glad you got in touch, Amy, because I, I just don't hear from people in their 20s. I don't. Before um I, I take another call, what, what have you been studying and what do you hope to do?
10: Well, I was hoping to be a psychologist, but I don't think that's going to happen because you're going to need the vaccination. See, um,
0: and so- you know what? And there's going to be a massive demand for mental health services, massive demand after this.
10: Yeah, that's the sad thing. But, yeah.
0: but you um, won't do it because eventually they'll want you to have a job and you're just never going to have a job.
10: No, I'm not. Even if, if I have to spend the rest of my life in a bed, and that's it. That's That will be just me. No, it, it's way too important. Um, I, I actually can't have vaccinations either, but even if I could, I still won't. I don't particularly tell people that very often. I just say
0: no. Amy, brilliant. Say hello to your mum. Um, I will do. By the way, yeah. And fair play to her for introducing you to, you know, to to information that, you know, that you wouldn't have come across really if it wasn't for her. And thanks for reaching out today, Amy. Brilliant. Really, really interesting insights there. And all the best.
10: Brilliant. Thanks, Richie. Not at all.
0: Stay in touch. Um, That was Amy. Do stay in touch, Amy. That was Amy there. In Dublin, in her early 20s, got in touch with me to say, Richie, he threw the gauntlet down there now to people in their early 20s. I'm expecting to get a few calls from Ireland, from Ireland, uh, on account of, of course, uh, the news that the Irish president, Michael D. Higgins, he's the head of state, really. Uh, I don't want to say he's a bit like the Queen, because he's not, but um, the powers of his office include basically rubber stamping legislation that the government has voted on and passed, and dissolving the Doyle but he's given the assent to this vaccine passport bill. It's chat with Richie on Skype. It's 01618182018 phone number. I think this is an Irish number, or maybe it isn't. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with?
11: Hello, Richie. It's Robert calling from Hong Kong.
0: How you doing, Robert? I, the number was so bizarre. I thought it might be Irish, but it isn't. You're very welcome, Robert. Thanks, mate. Um, it's probably late in the evening there, isn't it? I'm guessing with the old Edward. time thing. Yeah, very late. Uh, about
11: quarter past one in the morning. Ah, so you've <clears throat>
0: stayed up then. Thanks for staying up. Right, my friend. Yes. You, the, you know how it goes. You get to, uh, to take over. What would you like to say?
11: Oh, okay, um, In Hong Kong, just a few figures. First, in 2019, there were 356 flu deaths. In 2020, there were only 148 COVID deaths. Um, In 2019, no lockdowns, no masks, no restrictions. But in 2020, with half the number of deaths, we got all the restrictions, uh, the lockdowns, and the whole lot applied. And the reason simply was in Hong Kong in 2019, there were protests and the, um, the COVID thing is a complete hoax to simply stop the protests. That's what happened. And that's what the figures clearly show here. Hong Kong has a direct train line to Wuhan. You can get there within four and a half hours. Hong Kong is a very crowded place, and yet the deaths here are half they would be in a normal flu season. Half. So there is not a COVID problem in Hong Kong. It's now, all about stopping protests.
0: So the, so the Hong Kong authorities, or the, 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 the Chinese, they've used um, what happened, they've used uh, the, the story of COVID, to crack down on protests, there—that's how you see it, Robert.
11: That's that—that's what happened. Yeah. Yes, yes. I mean, the protest—that's a big story in itself—were very much out of order. Um, the police were not could not control it, and I think the the authorities had two options. One was to bring in the army, and if you remember on television, there were pictures of the Chinese army on the border warming up. That's right. And the second option would be to well, hey, let's play the COVID card. And everyone will accept that because even the protesters would accept, oh, scary, scary, and we'll all run away. Whereas if you brought in the army, it would be another Tiananmen Square and it would cause international outcry. Outrage. So I think yeah. it was about, it was really all about stopping the protests.
0: Now let me, that, c- that. C- can you clarify this for me now? Because um, c- I'm a bit woozy in this heat, Robert, you'll, you'll forgive me. Um, are, are you saying that the COVID itself, that the sole purpose for Covid, that Covid was invented to shut down the protests and that then it was taken advantage of elsewhere. Is that what you feel?
11: That's what I absolutely feel. Is that right?
0: If you were right, can you imagine if you were right? And I'm not saying you're wrong now. Of course I'm not. Can you imagine if it was a Chinese invention just to deal with Hong Kong and that other governments around the world have gone, brilliant, we can use this now to do the things that we want to do. If I've summed up what, what, what it is you believe. If that's true, Robert, Jesus, wow.
11: Yeah, I, I think that is, is what's happening. Um, I wrote to an MP, Philip Davies MP, who was my last MP when I was in England. Um, and I, I wanted to, to fly back to the UK, but I don't want to give a COVID test to the Chinese authorities or to anyone else. And I certainly don't want a vaccine. And he wrote back saying, well, British Airways is an independent company. We don't have any, you know, choice over the matter they can make their own rules and I said absolute nonsense and they they were a a state-owned company that were privatized and they're bailed out regularly by the state they're not independent in any way But the main point he made at the time was, this was in October 2020, he said, I don't think you can expect to fly, attend concerts or go to football matches in the future without the vaccination. No way! You're kidding And I sent that email, I sent the exact email actually to Jean-Anne because I I thought it was so outrageous and I sent it to her at the time. I was just going to say, we have a mutual
0: friend. Yeah, we have a mutual friend. I know that you work in the legal profession. Correct. Uh, I, I know that you've got Correct. a brain. You've got a big old brain on you. Can you just repeat that? In October 2020, say that again. Philip,
11: eh? Davies, um, Philip Davies MP sent me an email saying you cannot expect to fly, attend a football match, or attend concerts without a vaccination. Bastards. That, 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 that's exactly what he was saying there.
0: Bastards. Bastards. And I've, I've sent an yeah.
11: email to Jean I just the, the, all the headings, everything with the yeah. date on it, and you can read it. Um, another point I want to make is that law, a lot of people think they can rely upon the law. It's not going to help you at all. Um, there's, people talk about natural law, common law, and statute. I could go into detail, but briefly, statute trumps all other law. So parliamentary law will trump, judge-made law, everything else. The human rights law, which people rely on, each article has two parts one that gives you a right and the second part of every single article states very clearly there are exceptions where the government can override those rights and one is public health so you you have no rights if there's a public health issue the government can override every single human right apart from torture that's number one number two and people sometimes talk about um, discrimination that's not going to work either because the other part of law is health and safety at work and the health and safety at work will always trump discrimination. So the law is an absolute dead end in in solving this problem. It's just not going to work. So I think it'd be great if people could think about how positively we can solve this, forget without the law or without politics, how can we make it work? That's, if anybody can think about that, I would Really can I, come, can I come back kind of to that in a
0: second with you? I just want to, because that's sure. hugely interesting. Um, so I have no reason to doubt you because of your experience and because of um, what you do. The The parliamentary made laws trump everything. And once the health emergency uh, law or, or uh, guidelines, which they brought in under the COVID Act, that basically gives them carte blanche to do whatever they want. And you can forget about you know, trying to claim that your civil rights are being violated or your human rights, that trumps everything. I just want to go back to what Philip Davies told you, because this is very important yep. now, because when he sent you that email, they were swearing to Jesus and the Virgin Mary, weren't they, that there would be no vaccine passports.
9: Correct.
11: I th- that's why I think I've written a gene every every few weeks, say, read this, read it yeah. again, read it again, because it was so blatantly Liars. obvious that this was in the pipeline at the end of last year, and um, therefore they knew they were going to have vaccine passports and everything else is a complete and total bluff. And on on the legal point, Lord Sumption comes to Hong Kong on a regular basis, he sits in the Court of Final Appeal here. He avoids quarantine, he gets exemption from that, and in court he doesn't wear a mask. Um, I've had a stand-up argument with judges before about masks and being thrown out of court myself. because the judge doesn't wear a mask and they expect everyone else to wear a mask. And so I argue and, and get into trouble over that. There, is, there are double standards. And another thing about Sumption, why I don't trust him, is that a while ago I used to work in-house counsel at Freshfields in London. And one day some protesters came in and they started playing pop songs summer Summer nights, and it was wonderful. And I went out onto <laughs> the balcony and lots of um, barrister and solicitors went out on the balcony and started to dance the chief partner, the senior partner came out and she danced with us all and then after she'd been dancing she clapped her hands and said okay everybody, back inside and everybody thought she was wonderful because she you know, engaged in the party and, and, the, and the dancing but what she did was a very clever move she captured the rebellion and once she captured it she led it where she wanted to lead it And that is what Lord Sumption is doing. I mean, Lord Sumption's background is a speciality in war studies. um, The English Civil War, he's an absolute specialist at that. And then he went to Brick Court Chambers in London, became Court of final appeal judge in Hong Kong eventually after Supreme Court in London. But he's a strategist in war. And what he's gone and done is he's captured some rebellious people and he can now lead them really where they want. And I think Peter Hitchens is exactly the same. Can I ask you a question on that, then? We've, We've
0: got Robert. Robert is in Hong Kong and he's a barrister. Okay, so he knows the law. He's a learned man. Um, I can't vouch for Robert I just know that he's a barrister and uh, and I know that he sent those emails uh, to jean and I know those are genuine so let me ask you a question first of all on the assumption thing I had an exchange with him, which was pleasant but sad. Uh, He wouldn't appear with me. And his chief concern was that he would be lambasted in the press for deigning to appear on a programme that has had some unsavoury characters on in the past. And my parting shot, because I'm never bitter, I'm never childish, was, well, that's very sad then. You know, as a guy who's writing in The Telegraph about free speech, it's sad that you would decline to speak with me only based on the fact that I've had some unsavory characters. Now, I'm getting a little bit of stick, which I like. I, I, I like it. Put yourself out there, Robert. As you know, as as a barrister, you know you put yourself out there. You get shot at. It's good fun. I think that Reiner Fuelmish is. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to be very blunt. I think it's a load of bollocks. Is what I think. Excuse my French. I don't believe that Reiner Fuelmish or any of these guys are ever going to get anybody into court over the obviously debunked PCR test. I don't believe they will. And you've beautifully described Sumption and, and, and capturing the rebellion. Now, I don't necessarily think that Reiner Fulmich and guys like him are doing that deliberately. Maybe they mean well. But I think nothing will come of it. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong.
11: You're right. You're 100% right. Nothing will come of that. Not not, not a chance. Um, I think th- there's another problem, and that is that after 2023 once the vaccines are no longer on trial, they can mandate them. Can't blanche. They can mandate them in the workplace, everywhere. That, that's a major problem after 2023. So we haven't got long if we're going to stop
0: there. Now, Robert, you don't mean people turning up to your home and saying, look, come on now, enough's enough. You've got to come with us. What you mean is the ultimate coercion. Like, you won't eat, you won't get your wage if you don't get the jab. Is that what you mean? oh
11: it's, but that's going to be the first first line yes the second line is there could well be ultimate coercion i i say that based on two things one in china there was ultimate coercion on um the one child policy so if someone fell pregnant with a second child they would roll up and say you're having the abortion and it was a forced abortion Jesus so Christ! That's, that there is real examples of that happening now i've, I've looked at the nhs guide to consent and it defines consent within the normal terms and then there's a disturbing part um, tucked away and sent this to Jean as well and it says when consent is not needed blah 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 and then it says if if there's a risk um, to public health the result, for example of rabies or cholera then consent will not be needed. Now it's a possibility and this is a very scary possibility that if you apply all the laws very strictly and against us they could actually say well you know you're going to have to have this
0: a variant might be introduced yeah
11: it's possible because they're they're calling it a public health emergency see they like to have that word emergency because it fits into the human rights act part two you can always override They call it things like climate emergency. Again, you can make that into national security. You can override rights on that. That's why they carefully choose words, these people. They're very clever. They must have had some kind of legal training or legal legal information from somewhere to fit the language, to fit the media, which gets repeated, which then fits into already existing statutes and regulations, which allows them to do what they want. And the statutes trump the law,
0: as you said to us earlier on. The statutes trump the law. So you're kind of trapped yeah. then. Can I ask you this, Robert? Did, 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 is, did you see this coming, coming, or have you just been blown away in the last 15 months?
11: I've been completely blown away in the last 15 months. That's actually a bigger question. Um, I've been living in Hong Kong for nearly 15, 15 solid years, but overall about 20 years. The best place in the world to live. And it really, really was until the protests started. Um, Then I got suspicious. I think the protests were um, externally orchestrated. I'm quite sure of that. Um, And another thing, big point I want to make, and quite a very controversial thing, about over 10 years ago, I actually partnered up with the former um, security chief for Hong Kong and set up a political party with the sole aim, actually of having a a national security law to stop external influences taking place in Hong Kong. So I've been quite on the inside of Chinese politics as well, and I'm very much aware that there are external influences creating a lot of trouble in Hong Kong. So that's why I was actually in favor of some form of national security law. And the way things are reported in Hong Kong are not that accurate. It's, it's, it's portrayed in a very negative way. This national security. I law. couldn't criticise. Um, I
0: couldn't criticise you for that because I'd be a hypocrite. Now, on the one hand, you you know anybody coming on, on this programme that wants to introduce national security laws. On the one hand, I want to have a proper ding dong with you. I want to have a go at you. you However, can do. no, 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 I won't yeah, today. You, but you know what? Will no, Please do, please do. Do you because, know It wouldn't um, it be lovely to have you back on the programme for a proper interview, right? We could do that. But the reason I won't be a hypocrite is I was in favour of that when Hugo Chavez um, took Venezuela back for the Venezuelan people. You, you can't be for the goose and for the gander, you know? You have to be honest about it. I was in favour of what Salvador Allende did in Chile. You yes, know, to get, yeah, so, I mean, so I'd be a hypocrite in saying that you weren't properly motivated in doing that, even though it looks... It always looks sinister. National security laws, and you know what 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 follows. Then you know restrictions on what people can do. I look, we could argue about that all day long. We will another day with your permission. But yep. uh, but Jesus, where we are I, now, Robert, that's more important now for the moment. Where we are now and where we're going to go. I,
11: I think I, I think t- taking it forward into the future, if listeners can think, how can we solve this without involving law or politics? I mean, voluntary non-consent would have been brilliant, but. Unfortunately, too many people have consented, but still there's always a way around it. If we can think differently, how can we deal with this? Don't get suckered into believing any politician, even if they claim to be on our side or helping us in any way, they're not. Just think, I was thinking of the Freshfields things where they capture the argument, keep people in the game a little bit too long. People believe them. And as long as they keep the ball in the air, they get what they want. We have to disconnect completely from politics, all the politicians, the legal system, and figure out how to answer it. That's
0: that's, that's a 64 the $64 million dollar question. I've had, a, I've had a message from Jan, so I'll read it out in the interest of balance. Jan says, you're talking complete and utter bollocks, Richie. Reiner Fuelmisch has said repeatedly that he thinks there's no way out of this via the courts. He has said explicitly and repeatedly that he thinks the judicial system is too corrupt and controlled to end this thing that way. Uh, I'm not talking bollocks, Jan. I've seen videos where Fuelmisch is talking about serving notice on people and um, sending documentation to courts. Uh, y- you know, basically b- b- sending briefs to courts with the intention of suing people. So stop, stop. That's exactly what Fulmish is saying that he will do. So stop with your nonsense. And then I see him interviewing every Tom, Dick and Harry on some podcast. And I think it's nonsense. So don't be silly.
11: I think it is nonsense. One thing he said, I think on one of those interviews, he said, we'll see where we are in two weeks' time. And this was months ago, and nothing's happened.
0: Yeah. You can't beat them through the court system.
11: Yeah. Oh, um, just one last thing on your last call. I know you like music. Hazel O'Connor, Eighth Day, best lyrics ever. Um, it's it's about machines taking over the world. Uh, if you get a chance to listen to it, listen to Hazel O'Connor, Eighth Day. It's about machines taking over, and that's another fascinating thing that's been happening in Hong Kong. They're wanting to replace judges with computers. How about that? That's another crazy thing that's happening. So Hazel O'Connor, Eighth Day is the music of the day.
0: Can we um, schedule I know the time difference is nuts, I know that. Can we, I'll, I'll even start early for you Robert uh, we'll, we'll, I come on a bit earlier um, Let's schedule a chat, we get you on from 45 minutes to an hour, we'll have a good chat if you fancy that
11: Yeah I do and you can attack me on that, I can defend national security law, you can attack me I won't
0: attack you, watch. look I think you might have heard the programme before, I don't attack people, but we can have a good old back and I forth know. on it, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, yes Absolutely,
11: yes, absolutely
0: Listen, thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Okay.
11: Thank you, Richie. Great show. Fantastic Hi, you're a gent, show.
0: Robert. Thanks for saying that. That's Robert. He's a barrister in Hong Kong. He was chambered in the UK. He's worked in Hong Kong for fifteen years. And he knows the law. And uh Jesus, he was interesting to say the least about the law. I agree with him. Not that I know nothing. I'm no expert. But I, I I've been around. Right? I've been at every level of the mainstream media. I've covered court cases. You can't beat these bastards in court. You can't. You just cannot. They're not going to say, oh, you're right, yeah, it is terrible. It is tyrannical. Yeah, that's right, yeah, common law. Why didn't we think of that? Yes, let's end it now. No. And on this thing, by the way, on this thing, I'm going to try and get Dean Smith on before the end of the programme. Uh, on this thing, uh, say it for me, um, of, of Reiner, first and foremost, I've never spoken to Reiner Fülmich. I don't know anything about him. I bear the man no ill will whatsoever. I've got no axe to grind with him. None. But I've been shown videos where the guy is talked about court cases and building cases against the PCR, the the usage of PCR and the fraudulent... and all of this. And I say, no, it's not going to happen. And some of you don't like it. Because you're morons! You're morons. You talk about being awake... You talk about being, uh, you know, you talk about being clued in. You can't bear to hear something which contradicts your narrative or the things you hold dear. You can't stomach somebody disagreeing with you. You're pathetic. Grow up. Grow up. Grow the fuck up. You live in a world where people have different opinions than you. Right? So either like it or fucking lump it. Doesn't matter whether I disagree with you or not. If you want to believe that Fuelmish is some sort of legal angel and he's going to take it on because of his experience, good luck to you. All the best. I'll be here next year when it hasn't happened. Where will you be? You'll be gone. You won't have the courage to come on here and say you were right, Richie. Like that fucking twat, Michael O'Bernissia. He's going to have Matt Hancock in court. You told me last October. I laughed at him and said, no chance. None, I said. Oh, Richie, you're a shill. Richie, you're a scumbag. Oh, why don't you support Michael O'Bernissia? Because he's a fraud. He's a truther. He deals in clickbait. And some of you are so desperate to be told what you want to hear that you'll follow these fucking dickheads all over the internet. Won't you? Didn't want to do this today because I'm in good form. But I'm sick of some of you morons and your and your adherence to the truth or industrial complex. Oh, I love that guy. Why? Because he tells me what I want to hear. Even if it's crap. Michael O'Pernissia. I'm taking Matt Hancock to court. Fuck off. Moron. He's a moron. But you know what? I blame you. You're worse for believing him. Reiner Fulmish is going to take him to court in America and in Germany. No, he's not. No, he's not. Where will you be next year when it hasn't happened? I know where you'll be. You'll be trolling somebody else on the internet because you haven't got the courage to admit that you're wrong. Grow up. Scottish John is in Austin in Texas. You shut up and all Scottish John. <laughs>
12: <laughs> <laughs> Master speaker. How you will doing? Tell us when you tell us, will you tell us Ma, to
0: his When will they grow up, John? How many and times it- do you have to fool somebody before they say I'm not going to be fooled anymore? They believe these truthers. I'm going to take Mark- Matt Hancock to court, sure your son. Sure you are. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. Remember, what? Go ahead.
12: Remember the Who played that when they were guesting at the Super Bowl when Obama got elected? <laughs> we what? won't get fooled again. Won't get again. fooled
0: again, yeah. The irony. <laughs> <laughs> the stone-cold irony.
12: Oh, God. Ah, uh, here. Let me, let me tell you a wee Irish joke. Try and lighten your mood a bit. What do you call an Irishman that hangs from a light fitting?
0: Go on. Sean Chandelier. Chandelier. I knew that.
12: All right. The for froze. your audience.
0: Just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get Dean on in about 10 minutes. So, uh right. care home, Dean. I was gonna, going to... What's going on the there? It's all open up there, isn't it? You've got a governor who, who, who's opened up the state. No oh, masks.
12: Jesus, man. I, I don't know what to make of this guy. There's some people think he's all right, and there's some people think he's a complete butthead. So, I, I don't get involved in it, Richie. I... I made the decision before I came here, after the Thatcher years, which is what I want to talk about today, I wasn't going to get involved here. I wasn't going to invest myself in the political system because I think it's a waste of time. I got involved with the Ron Paul campaign for a while, and that didn't amount to much. And uh, so that was it. I just... I'm just biding my time. I try and keep myself amused. I, I feed outdoor cats and I play online poker and I go grocery shopping and I don't bother anybody. So No, but for the moment, my-
0: things there are far, far better than they are here. You know, you're not wearing masks going into a restaurant. They're not telling you that you need to be double jabbed if you want to go to a nightclub. You've got none of that. Some of these Republican governors, at least, on, and I'm not naive, so I know that. These people are ultimately establishment uh, people to the bone. But at least it seems like life is better there, John.
12: It seems like it. And the the reason I'm hearing for this is that uh, it's still because there's a lot of gun owners here. The government have to tread carefully. And I hear this being talked about. Uh, you know, your old buddy, Mike Rivero?
0: Yes, Michael. Yeah.
12: Um. The, the, the outfit, the... the, the The outfit that he works for, I used to listen to that quite a lot, and I rarely listen to it nowadays, Richie, because it just pisses me off. (laughs) These people haven't got a freaking clue. Do they think that when the government come for their guns, it's going to be like a scene from the OK Corral? No, when these bastards come for your guns, pal, you ain't going to know what's hit you. yeah. They're not going to be calling you out in the middle of the street with a bloody pistol and a holster for yeah. Christ's sake. I've never any bought only... into
0: the idea. I've never bought into the idea that gun ownership is is. Listen, if people want to own guns, fair enough. If the if the government can have them, if the police can have them, I, I have no problem with private citizens having them. So, for my American listeners, I have no problem with you having a gun. But I'm totally with John. If they come for you, your gun's not going to be any good. No, exactly. Exactly. End of story. Don't care how good you are. uh,
12: So so last week, as I say, I was going to talk to you about spirituality based on your recent talks with John Waters and uh, Tony Gosling. And then last week I heard a young guy, I think you were reading out a tweet by him and he was asking about the Thatcher years. Now, the Thatcher years are indelibly bloody planted in my brain, Richie. I will never, never forget the Thatcher years. And What I think they they did to, to a country that I used to love. I remember when she came into power in 1979, the unemployment figures was one and a quarter million. And I was working in the textile industry. I'd started working in the textile industry in 1965. Now, after two years of her being in power, I had to go to the Philippines to find a job. I couldn't find a decent job in Britain. I was working up in the north there. Uh, in a a wee place called Chorley. I was working in a wee factory in Chorley and uh, it wasn't a great job. And I saw this job advertised in the Philippines and I thought, hell, I'll go for that. And I went, I was out there for two years and I came back and uh, I decided I would try and resettle in Scotland because I didn't know what the hell else to do. Got another crappy little job in a wee factory and the the unemployment figures at this point, uh, they were up over 3 million. In 1984, I saw a job advertised in Hong Kong, and I went down to London for an interview. It was an overnight train ride, morning interview, and I had the to kill. So I went and sat in the public gallery in the House of Commons, and it just so happened that Nigel Lawson, the then chancellor, was given a mid-term statement, and he stood up, and I'll never forget the words he uttered. He says, we are witnessing an economic miracle. And I don't know if I've told you this, Richie, but I was i, I was just...
0: in. I stood up and said, Are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, first time we spoke you mentioned this, yeah. Three yeah. over three million so anyway, people I, unemployed. I, the country's in absolute ruins.
12: Yeah, and this bastard thinks yeah. it's a miracle. Anyway, I got walked I didn't get into trouble, I just got walked out of the building. I didn't get booked by the police or anything. And I said the Thatcher years are going on and you know the Industrial Revolution spanned seventy years and she actually shut it all down in seven. Seven bloody years. And the unemployment figures kept going and going. They were up over four million and here, somebody had a brainwave. Here's what we'll do. You can be unemployed for six months. Then after that, you go on in the Social Security register. So the unemployment figures just bloody disappeared overnight. Yeah. And everybody thought this was wonderful. Yeah. That's how friggin' stupid Sleight people of hand. are.
0: Flight of hand, yeah. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And, and of course,
12: got them all to buy their council house. We'll sell your council house real cheap. I remember when the poll tax came in, mate. I was in a wee one-bedroom flat in bloody Lambeth, and I was paying the same poll tax as the Queen was for Buckingham Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: if if she if she was paying anything, the thing about um, the, the thing about the well, that era, of course, was the era of privatization, was the era of sell off the family silver. Uh, the only thing they mm-hmm. didn't sell at that time was the NHS, but um they began the process on it. That's oh, what she absolutely. was doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right, John. Oh, yeah. John
12: and uh i'm just i 'm just trying to 'm just trying to wrap this up here i 'm so freaking angry now that i 'm thinking about this again. It gets me so bloody passionate man vaccine I passports
0: here and uh from September for people who want to go to the to, who want to go to a nightclub it will definitely be for people who want to go to concerts because they said larger venues it will undoubtedly then go to pubs, it'll go to cinemas and theatres. You won't be able to get in unless you've been jabbed. And in Ireland uh, today, uh, the Irish uh, president signed into law that law which says that from Monday, you can't drink or dine indoors in Ireland unless you've had two jabs or prove that you've passed a recent test or or, or, or been be negative and, and that's the, the vaccine passport as well. Final word, John. I'm going to try and get Dean on because Care yep. uh, Homes, and it's it's. I want to talk to him a little bit about about that final word to you. I think it's better where well, you are. Go ahead.
12: I would I would just I would just say to people, politicians are not there to serve you. They never were, and they never will be. We need to come up with a new system because this system will never serve our interests. It's as simple as that, mate.
0: Simple as that, cut and dry. John, thanks very much. That was John in Austin in uh, Texas. We'll undoubtedly hear from John again. I've got about uh, 10, 12 minutes left. I want to get Dean on because Dean has been running a care home in Sheffield for some years and he was on the programme previously talking about that. It's exactly 17 and a half minutes to the top of the air. And listen, don't mind my outburst earlier on. Not angry, I'm in great form. I am. But I get tired of it. I get tired of reading the same messages. At what point do you say, look, I've been done, you know, told you last year, I told you, told you six months ago, told you three months ago, and I take no pleasure in it. I'd love to be wrong. Do you not think for a minute I wouldn't like to see some of these people in jail or or in a court of law being cross-examined by somebody who understands the things we understand? I'd kill for it. Not a person. I don't know what I'd kill, but I, I, I would, but it's not going to happen. You have to accept it. Dean, welcome back, mate. First of all, have you got your car back? (laughs) No, mate. Not yet, no. (laughs) Shall we? Do do, do you know, Dean, on Sunday, Dean was at the family home, I think. You jumped out of the car for a moment. This was caught on CCTV. Some scumbag jumped into your car. You nearly got him, to be fair to you. You you, you got out there. Uh, You wrestled uh, with the car door. And the (laughs) bastard stole your bloody car. What, What have the police said?
3: Uh, not much, Rich. I've got a crime number. That's it. Um, what you don't see on the CCTV is that um, I'd literally loaded the car up for Pippa's granddad and then nipped inside to uh, go and get Pippa and the boy. So uh, one thing I'm thankful for more than anything is I was about to strap Grey into the car. So it could have been, oh, you know, makes me, it makes me It makes me feel sick to my stomach now. You know, when I think about it, what else could have been?
0: Because he might not uh, have seen that the child and he would have just driven well, off.
3: Possibly, yeah, because uh, obviously he had, a, he had a goal to uh, to take the car. But I'd literally gone in to say bye to the bye to it. Well, not even went in. I was sort of stood in the porch. So this all happened behind me. Uh, I, I basically didn't. I just I sort of said to Greg, "Come on, kiddo, wind you know wind your stuff up. Yeah. Uh, we need to get going." He said bye to uh, Pippa's granddad. I said I'll come back and help you in a couple of weeks again. Um, and I said, "Come on, Pips, let's get our stuff. We need to go." And by that time, as I walked back out, the guy was well, just about just you can see on the CCTV that he was literally closing the door, and that's that's another thing that's been going round and round in my head that I was really like yeah. away from yeah. him finding the uh uh the, the lock
0: button. It wouldn't have ended well for the chap. There's no I, well, doubt I, about a, that.
3: A sitting man is a sitting duck. That's the way. I, that's what I thought. Um yeah. But anyway, so he reversed it out. Powerless, I was powerless to do anything. Uh, you can't really break a car window with your fist; it, it, it doesn't work. Um, and then he, he pulled out and screeched out into the street, which you don't see on the camera. And then I was, I was so upset by that point, I was like kicking my car, my own car, booting it and whacking the bonnet, and trying to distract him. And then he just sort of floored it and would have, would he took me clean out if I hadn't jumped out of the way. So it could have been worse. Um, Gray was a bit upset, but it's just, I don't know, it's. A, I think this last year and a half mental, has just eh? been mental, really, for, for everyone. And then these these sorts of things, uh, especially the last few weeks, just sort of, you think, what the hell is going on? I don't know.
0: It's your fault for having a £265,000 Lamborghini. There's great money in care yeah, homes.
3: That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> that's a
0: joke, by the way. He doesn't have a £265,000 Lamborghini, in case it's, anybody it's, wonders. Let's talk was, serious it now.
3: A £1,500 Gordy, that's all. It's but still, car. it was mine. Sure you know, I loved it.
0: Listen, uh, we've got 10 minutes. I, I want to ask you. We 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 would have talked. I know it's been a difficult time for you as well. I know that. So your 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 mum passed away very recently. Uh, genuine commiserations for, for, oh, for, for, for me, me and yeah. everybody who was listening. Your mum was a great character. We all saw that video of your mum calling out this nonsense uh, on, on Twitter. I think hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people saw the video. She was obviously a lovely lady, so... You know, sad to hear that, Dean. But but let's talk about care homes. What 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 does it mean now? They're, they're mandating. They're saying by October, you ain't jabbed, you don't work in care homes. What does that mean for you now?
3: Well, shall I shall I try and just start at the beginning? We've got a couple of minutes, have not we? So if I, if I just sort of try and recap the last year and what it's been like, if you don't mind, and then I'll come to where where we're at now. Um, obviously. Uh, early last year um, I was I was sort of protesting on the street so people in my care home my staff knew uh, my views on the the whole pandemic and and you know I was saying this is going to be about the vaccines we could see what was coming um, so I wasn't putting any pressure on them now in the in the early days the uh, the, the the authorities like the uh, the CCG and the CQC um, which are the uh, like we, we contracted the CCG uh, so we are technically under the NHS through through them. Um, and then obviously you've got Public Health England, you've got infection control, you've got all these bodies that are keeping an eye on the care home. Initially they were phoning up every Monday uh, to check how everybody was and to check if you got enough PPE and to um, make sure the staff were well, the residents were well uh, and that that was and, and and then then it went from that a few weeks later. So I'll try and break it down into small time Uh, uh, like six week period. So then the next few weeks, it was, um, have you got enough PP? Are you testing everyone? Um, And this is where I I hit a bit of a, um, a stumbling block with them because I wasn't forcing the test because we tried to do it with some of the residents and they found it really unpleasant. And I thought this is unfair. So I'd risk assess their sort of mental capacity as to whether it would be possible for me to isolate these people, should they get a COVID, or if we got an outbreak, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and because I knew about the PCR and how many false positives were occurring, um, I'd sort of done a risk assessment to say, I'm not testing these people to uh, force them to stay in their, their bedrooms when they would not have capacity to understand why. And we talked
0: would. about that at the time last year. We talked about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was good, Yeah, That was important. Yeah. I'm just looking at the clock now because we've, yeah, okay, we've got about okay, seven okay. minutes left. Go on.
3: I'll, I'll move it forward. So uh, so anyway, then the calls changed from that, and like, so we'll just bring it quickly to present day. Then uh, I get a call every Monday now, and it's just to see why I've not vaccinated everybody. Um, so all I get is a call on a Monday. Uh, Dean, can you give us an update, please, on the amount of vaccines that you've uh, been able to um, sort? You know, no, they source, don't
0: mean source. they don't mean that you yourself administer them do do they mean that you that, that no, you I, find people to come in and do it is that what they mean i
3: have, no I, I have to put pressure on because basically i've got a system that i have to uh, update every single day which is called a capacity tracker and that's linked directly to the nhs so they get my stats and and every single care home in the country has to do this on a daily basis i've had my, my wrist slap so many times for only doing it four days a week or whatever because uh, it, it technically, technically doesn't change, but, uh, so they get all that data on a single, uh, every single day. So, so they know how many people are vaccinated and this is how the year has gone. I had sort of, uh, I've got 11 staff and it started out, nobody wanted the vaccine as the coercion grew last year and into this year, more and more people got the vaccine. I was like, okay, I have to log that then on the system, on the, the capacity tracker, uh, and they want that data. Um, so, so then people start get started getting vaccinated. So then, just in my care care home alone, uh, Richard, this is what put the other staff off. I had my my senior my senior got vaccinated, even though she didn't really want to. She did it out of coercion. Uh, she was off work uh, with a bad reaction to her right arm uh, for seven weeks. Got signed off sick for seven weeks. Seven so bear weeks. in mind, I'd run, I'd run my care home for an entire year with no cases, no infections, no concerns whatsoever, no problem. Um, and then the vaccine started. Then I've got my senior off for seven weeks. Then one of my other staff um, uh, caught for a blood clot. She was off work for two weeks. Uh, I got another member of staff off for two weeks with severe uh, fatigue. Uh, I had one of my residents that I had to put onto the yellow card system because he had a he had no capacity, none at all. He's got he's like highly complex, uh, needs help with feeding, incontinence, just literally everything. Uh, they give him the, the jab because, again, they don't, they're not bothered about consent. If they can stick it in someone's arm, they do it. Um, so so he, he copped for a bad reaction. So I, I yellow carded him. Um, and then I one of my other members of staff, her mom, came out in a rash down one side, uh, went deaf in her left ear. But she didn't challenge it because she said it can't be that. It was five days after the vaccine. All so post-jab,
0: all of these cases now are all post-vaccine, all of them. Post, post, all like, the post vaccine, all vaccine. Yeah,
3: they're all vaccine reactions that I know of. That you know of. Not, yeah. yeah, that I that, that have affected my life. Obviously, my uh, my uncle Trevor died in February. He had the vaccine. He died two two weeks later. My mum had the vaccine. She died four weeks later. They were old, you know, uh, but but there's just too many people uh, uh, close to me at the minute that are uh, that. that I, so so when they when they are chasing me at the minute for me to up my numbers for vaccination obviously i'm putting a bit of resistance up because i'm i'm telling the, the cqc that the the people that have been put off by it um know other people that have had bad reactions to it so it's making them hesitant and rightly so um but that, that's all they want to know they are not phoning me up anymore to see if Anyone's if if every, if if Public Health England and the CCG actually cared about the people, surely the first thing they would ask me as an RM, Dean, have you kept everyone well? Is yeah. everybody how are me? they?
0: How are they doing? Yeah, how yeah.
3: are they Yeah, that that should be your first. How many, you have you your job, first how many of you jabbed, Dean? How many of you
0: jabbed? This is what that's they're what, asking you.
3: That's what I get every Monday. Jesus have you got any more? have you got anyone else jabbed? Have you got anyone else jabbed? Um, and and that's been sort of the the battle that I've had so. Um, And and listening to your, um, I think you had a lady on, was it Alison Lee?
0: Alison, yeah, Alison was on with me last night.
3: That was a a great interview. Uh, Well, as you always do, do. uh, But yeah, um, there was so much to that as well.
0: Well, I was just Uh, going to ask you, Alison believes that there's going to be a perfect storm. That because other care workers are well aware of these reactions, they're unlikely to take jabs and then that's going to mean that they will leave the, the business you are going to be struggling to for, for for workers aren't you inevitably
3: um well this is the thing i was i was still i was still kind of pleased that i had um this is why i think they've been targeting me because i i had seven staff double jabbed four staff none and i myself so seven and five so that's not up to their percentages all they kept saying is we need at least 80 percent to take the pressure off you i was like well I've told you why they're not doing it. Uh Anyway, obviously, the, 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 the parliament have voted uh, this, this law through now, which definitely puts my job in jeopardy because I, I will not be taking it no matter what, Rich. I'm ready to push this boulder all the way over the hill or it'll crush me on the way back down. I will, I will walk out. Um Not everybody else is going to be strong enough for that. And I had, I had one member of staff this morning who stood strong she um she was in tears this morning to me because she said i've had to have it because it was stressing her out worrying about if she'd lose a job or not even though she's got a lot of time and i was coaching her through it via text and i was saying listen just wait until the last minute at least that's that's the least that you can do i will support you i'm not gonna um i'm not i'm not gonna um put put this pressure on you to to take it, that's, that's the last thing I would do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she's gone and done it anyway. And then she's coming, now she's having anxiety problems because she's had the jab and now she's worried about the possible reactions that she's already seen. And that kind of coercion, is, is, it's disgraceful, mate. It's North Korea. It, it is just, North
0: Korea. So let me ask you a final question. And look, we will pick this up again properly on the regular show. But let me ask you a final question for today. It's a stupid question, but I'll, I'll pose it anyway. If they insist on this, and they are going to, you're going to be out of the care home. Like, yeah. aren't you?
3: Yeah, 20, 25 years career, uh, 16 years a registered manager, um, pretty flawless service, to be fair. Uh, I, that sounds big-headed. I no, no, remember. it doesn't. No, no, well, listen, I uh, looked
0: into you. First time I ever heard of you, I looked into you. I've got sources all over the country, not just this country, other, um, in other places as well. I looked into you. The word came back that you're very highly regarded.
3: Thanks, uh, mate. Yeah, well, I do get that from a lot of them. Th- this was another thing, like a social worker that I work with as well. I was on the phone to her today, and she's come back to me today, because she's completely exempt from the vaccine because she had a bad reaction to the whooping cough vaccine Jesus. as a kid that nearly killed her. She's gone to see a GP today. And he's actually said, I can't sign you off because that's, he, he said, I don't know if the COVID vaccine is not safe for you. He said, what I can do for you is I can make special arra- uh, r- arrangements for you to take the vaccine in hospital and have, uh, be an inpatient for 48 hours. Ridiculous. So at least they can give you the extra care. Jesus and I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, Jesus Christ. He's a madman. Oh, I don't want to say her name, but I, I've worked with her for 16 years and, and social workers get a bad rap. And I've mentioned her before. She's a really good friend and, and as true as and, and and as honest as they come, um so, so that's occurred today i'm just thinking you use the um analogy vaudeville vaudeville yeah. it's just like every day Isn't something it? else happens and my, my mind's like, listen
0: we'll get you booked into hospital and we'll get you jabbed and we'll keep you there just in case something happens to you yeah because, because how about we don't medical, have the jab
3: yeah because your medical records oh, are sketchy Oh um so it, as, as a child the, the paper medical records are sketchy so we don't know so we still, I've still got to recommend it as a GP. I've got to recommend it for your safety. Here's but final. We,
0: what, here's a, here's a final question, um, and you've got twenty seconds to answer this. Uh, what what are the chances that the sector will push back against it and say no? As quick as you can.
3: I, I, I can't gauge it, but it, I, 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 like I said, two more, two of the the stronger members of staff that I've got have, have capitulated now. So I've I've literally got. Two that are, that are not are still saying they won't take it, and obviously me. But I I will I will certainly walk away from this before before I take that. It's and that's just disgusting.
0: That. It's disgusting that people who are born to care for people, um, to help people will eventually leave it. And like Alison said to me last night, what about her then? And her son? He's got learning disabilities. Um, he he's got autism he desperately needs people like you what what's he going to do dean we definitely will pick this up again on the program proper mate you know that so oh,
3: all right mate oh, Jesus. thanks uh, listen, for... always good to hear and listen it's it uh, your show, I've, I've told you this before i know you hit the wall last last year um but you you, you do do amazing i'm not kissing your ass but uh, like the people that i've met through your show like Sharice and and stewin and 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 um Moinger and you know, the people like you do you you bring people together, mate, and it's it's really important that you do because uh you give people a bit of strength, mate. It's it's a good thing that you do.
0: Thanks, Dean. You too, buddy. Thanks for coming on today. Vital information. Dean Smith, friend of the programs and uh a man who runs a care home and runs it very well. Um but like a lot of people like him, he might not be in the care business the way things are going. Thanks to everybody who called in and to those of you who didn't get through promise you. Scout's honour. Next week we'll do another one, right?